welcome to another episode of the New Life Podcast. For more info on service times and locations, you can find us at newlifefoursquare.org. In this episode, Pastor Ken Briggis continues our series entitled, The Final Days of Jesus. His message reminds us that we can fully expect that the Lord will carry and navigate us through intense seasons. Today, we're going to change the format a little bit. I want to dive into something that the Lord has been saying, I believe, has been highlighting on my heart to give as um, a way of a a message that I believe is a prophetic word for us today. Um, But just know that we're going to also receive our morning offering a little later in the service today. So you can prepare your offering, but you're going to prepare to give it in in a different way. So our ushers will be standing at the back and you're going to drop your offering into the basket versus us passing the basket around today, all right? Just, again, taking abundance of precaution. We hope that you guys weren't offended by any of the policies we put in place today as you came to greet or as you came in through the doors. Um, I think you all understand. Yes? All right. So, listen, here's, here, here I was last week uh, looking at my Facebook page, and you know how Facebook sends you these... Um, Three years ago, here are some memories from, you know, three years ago, all of this. And I was looking at my feed, and as I was doing this, I was thinking, Lord, like, what, how are we to, to speak to our congregation? What are we to say to New Life and everyone who is in our network of friends and family this week? And I was uh, looking at this feed. Up pops this, this one post from three years ago, posted by a, a member of our congregation, a, they took notes on a message I preached about three, a little over three years ago. And when I read it, it was like the Lord said, you need, to, you need to revisit this with the congregation. So I went back on our website and I listened to my message in, that I preached three years ago. And in the message, I said, this is a prophetic word for some of you. And by prophetic, what I mean is, This is something God is saying right here, right now, for the situation that you're facing. Okay, that's what I mean by prophetic. Don't get, like, thrown off by that. Um, So, today, I felt like the Lord has brought me back to this word to, to give it once again to this congregation and to offer it as a way for us to think about how we are to respond to Jesus, to the situation at large, and to see the opportunities that are emerging within the crisis. Okay, so let's, uh, let's dive in today. Um, I don't know about you, man, but uh, as I've been praying, the Lord has been giving me a sense of assurance. And so I want to communicate that with you before I, uh, as we dive into this message. Um, this morning I was praying, and... Uh, what I do in my practice, I, I spend some time in silence. And I was like, Lord, what, what is your mind and what is your heart for your people and for this congregation at New Life? And I don't know, like, have you ever had, I'll call it a vision, okay? It's not a dream because you're wide awake, but it's a vision. It's something, a picture that you see in your mind's eye. Sometimes God gives me these pictures. And I saw this picture of a boot, like a millet, somebody who had stepped on a landmine. 
You ever see those, like, I don't know, maybe now you've got to think of all the movies that you've seen of this happening, right? But somebody had stepped on a landmine. I see this up-close picture of a boot, and it was almost like they were walking, and all of a sudden they went, and they went, and so I could, I could, in the vision, I could sense the anxiety of the person that had just stepped on the landmine, like, oh, no, if I, the minute I lift my foot up, this thing's going to explode. And then the next picture I saw was this, just like some random person, just jumping like this away from the landmine. And as he jumped, he landed at the feet of Jesus. And whatever explosion took place didn't hurt the guy. But I, then I saw a picture of Jesus carrying this person through this minefield and just walking right through it, knowing exactly where to go and placing that person in a safe place. And the interesting thing about that vision was Jesus like, the person was fine, unharmed, but Jesus then turned and went back through the minefield to get more people. <laughs> and it got me thinking, like, "Woo, what are you saying, Lord? So here's what I hear. The obvious. The Lord is going to carry us through this tense, uncertain season. Amen? He will navigate and guide and direct us through what feels like a minefield, right? Do you feel like that when you go to the supermarket or to, you know, like someone told me the other day they went to Olive Garden and it was packed, right? In Hong Kong, my wife showed me this, this text message of what they're doing in Hong Kong. Like you're sitting in the booth and at the table, you know what they do? They put a shield right in front of you that's in between both of you, like this protective plexiglass shield. It's crazy, right? Sometimes it feels like we're walking through a minefield, but the Lord will navigate us through it. He will not only protect us, he will take us to safety. And then here's the part that really struck me, that the Lord is concerned about each and every one of us, but he's also concerned about us personally. And so don't be surprised if God shows up in a very personal way for you in this season. Does that make sense? Hey, like, it's like, I get it. Everybody needs to be healed and everybody needs to be safe. But the Lord's, it's like he's looking at us like that guy and going, no, no, I need to go back for more because they need my personal attention. And I, I believe that what the Lord is saying through that vision is that he's going to give you his personal attention in this season. The question is, will you, will you realize it? Will you recognize it? And will you take him up on that invitation? instead of blowing right by. Okay, so today's message comes as a prophetic reminder that the Lord is going to carry us through and the Lord is going to show up in the midst of our storms. It comes from Matthew chapter 14. Let me just read the passage and I'll break it down. Immediately Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. This verse is written right after Jesus has not only received the news about John the Baptist, his relative, being killed, but now he has also fed 5,000 men in the miraculous feeding of the 5,000 plus women and children, which is probably about 10,000 people. So they've just had this big feast. It's been a long, full day of ministry for him and his disciples. And Jesus says to his disciples, look at the personal care he's taking, right? Guys, you're tired. I can see it in your demeanor. I can hear it in your voices. Get in the boat and watch this. Go ahead of me to the other side. 
It is Jesus' will for us to get to the other side. That's his will. And then he dismisses the crowd. After he dismissed them, it says he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. Even Jesus, as the Son of God, needs time of solitude and silence and stillness and communion with the Father, just he and the Father. It says, when evening came, he was there alone, but the boat was already a considerable distance from the land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. So shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them, walking on the lake. (laughs) Oceans. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified, and they said, it's a ghost, and they cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, take courage, it is I, don't be afraid. And then Peter said, Lord, if it's you, tell me to come to you on the water. Come on up. Then Peter got out of the boat, walked on the water, came towards Jesus. But when he saw the wind and was afraid, he began to sink, and he cried out, Lord, save me. So much for courageous Peter, right? Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You have little faith. Why did you doubt? And when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. Then those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, truly, you are the Son of God. Lord, bless the reading of your word today. The passage we just read points us to God's personal presence, his rescue, his perfect peace in the midst of life's uncontrollable storms. When life's storms and stresses wear you down, and when all of hell seems to be breaking loose around you, creating an ocean of fear and doubt that threatens to undo us, we need to remember, say this with me now, Jesus is on top of it. He's on top of it. When life's storms seek to break us down and pull us under, Christ is above it all, wanting to pull us through. His presence gives us hope. His peace soothes our tension, and his power will get us through. So in this passage, we see Jesus doing a few things that I hope will encourage us and prove instructive for us in terms of how we face the storms of life, in particular the storm that the whole globe is in right now. It starts out by saying Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him. While he went to the other side, or he went, sorry, to a mountaintop uh, to himself pray. And I told you that the context here was really uh, Jesus... You kind of think about maybe Jesus was needing time alone, not just to be with the Heavenly Father, but to grieve the losses of his life. He takes time. And it's interesting because Jesus knows that the crowd is putting pressure on him to be spectacular, to do more miracles, but he resists that pressure. Instead of running with the will of the crowd, he retreats alone to be with God. So what I want you to see here is that sometimes retreating is not equivalent to being defeated. Retreat is not defeat. When you're following Jesus, retreat is often the prerequisite for readiness. So think about what's happening around us. With all this stuff being canceled, How many of you right now don't have to go to work? (laughs) 
<laughs> How many of you don't have, your kids don't have to go to school, right? Whoo! And I know that creates more stress for some of you, right? But with all this stuff being canceled, it's almost like my wife said it to me the other day. It's like we are being forced to slow down. And not just to slow down, but to, to simplify. You know, when we're going to the market and all that's available is ramen, <laughs> cup of noodle, folks, we're being forced to simplify our lives. And, and to reset, if you might, I'm going to expand this out. We're being asked in some ways, given the opportunity to reset some important rhythms that are critical to our flourishing as human beings. I was listening to this one health specialist on the news this past week give these, these recommendations for how we can be, um, like how we can protect ourselves, empower ourselves against the coronavirus, right? And so I'm waiting. I'm like, okay, he's probably got something to say that, man, it's going to be pretty good, this and that. So the first thing was, you know, obviously take vitamin C and vitamin D. Okay, I just let the secret out. Vitamin D is important too, folks. But then he said some things that I wasn't expecting. You know what he said? He goes, you need to make sure you get enough sleep. Okay, what else? Uh, You need to make sure that you eat clean abundance of fruits and vegetables, green, you know, like, got it. And then the third thing, the fourth thing, he was like, make sure you break a sweat. Like, get on the track, like, run, like, do something, get active, because that strengthens you, gets you ready to fight the virus. He literally said that on the TV. I'm like, so, so, so you're telling me that to fight the coronavirus, I need to sleep, I need to eat better, and I need to exercise. Let me break it down. You ready? You need to reset healthy, basic rhythms of life and human flourishing. Start with sleeping. Start with eating better. Like, I went to the store yesterday, man, and you know what was shocking to me was not the fact that the medicine, like the, all the vitamin C was gone, but when I went to the produce section, almost all the produce was there, <laughs> right? All the green stuff was still on the shelf, and I'm like, yes, give me some kale, yes, give me some bok choy, you know, like, I was going for it, man, because the green stuff is good for you. I digress. If you want to be ready to face the storms of life and they're going to come, you need to build into your life a solid rhythm of retreat. Okay, this is not retreating to escape reality. It's not retreating to avoid people or pain or responsibility. It's a rhythm of retreating to be with God that we're needing to establish. Matthew and Mark, in Matthew and Mark's Gospels only record two times in Jesus' life where he is praying. The first time is right here, the moment before he walks on water. The second time is, guess where? The moment before he goes to the cross in the Garden of Gethsemane. Now, Luke records several other times, and he shows Jesus is much more intentional about living a life of prayer. But in Matthew and Mark, which were basically Luke's source, Well, Mark was Luke's source for his gospel. 
What they're saying is having a strong, robust inner life of prayer, retreating regularly to be with God, is critical for facing the crisis and the storms of life that are in front of you. From waves and storms on, an, on a sea to the cross and the suffering that Jesus would face. All of that were storms and crisis that Jesus was going to face, and he faced them by first retreating to be with God. Now, some of you say, man, this is going to be tough for me, Pastor. I don't know how to do this, man. I've never, like, I, I can only last two minutes. Then I'm like, what do I do, right? So just take the burden off yourself and think of it like working out. You know, some of you, when you start working out, right, you're only able to lift a certain amount. And um, I remember years ago when I, when I had a trainer, you know, he told me, you're going to, um, you're going to do these, these exercises, and you're going to be so good at them. I'm like, what are you talking about, man? He's like, do this exercise. Called, it's, called the, um, it's called the plank, right? So you do this plank, and you plank yourself out, right? and you kind of just kind of hold yourself up on your elbows with your toe. You, you know what the plank is. And it hurts all around here, right? It's like, this is painful. When I first tried that exercise, that plank, I could only last like 15, 20 seconds. And here he is telling me, no, 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 you're going to go, when I'm done with you, <laughs> you're going to go for three minutes. I'm like, yeah, right. You see, if I tried to go for three minutes right there, I couldn't do it. But if I just regularly put in the consistent time, you build up to it, right? What do they call that? They call that conditioning. So what we need to do is have a mentality of, hey, they canceled everything, man. School's no longer in session. My workplace is no, everything's online, whatever. This allows us an opportunity to look at our lives and go, how can I recondition some areas of my life that are important, that are necessary for my spiritual flourishing? That's the issue. The problem is not your capacity. You can do it. The problem is your conditioning. So start getting reconditioned in the exercise of being with God and praying and reading his word. Can I hear a yes? Okay. You got it. Jesus, man, in this passage, probably spent 8 to 12 hours on that mountain. Who knows? But when he's done, he's ready to face the storm. Retreat gets you ready. So don't look at this as a time to be like, all right, let's catch up on Netflix you know, specials and all the... No, no, no. This is where it gets challenging, right? Because most of us, if we're, gonna, if we're given all that time, we're just going to be like, oh man, I'm just going to veg out. Don't veg out. Eat more veggies, but don't veg out, right? And, and intentionally start spending a little more time Focusing on your spiritual life, all right? All right, the second thing that you want to see in this passage is this idea that Jesus, he's ready and he walks out on the water. Now watch, you're going to find out the reason he does this is because he wants to reveal himself. He wants to give his disciples a clear picture, clear revelation of who he is. And the revelation comes with a dramatic, this dramatic moment where he's literally walking over the wind and the waves and saying, I am more powerful than the wind and the waves that are oppressing you and moving you about here. I am above it all, and I want you to see this. 
not to just hear it. Because his disciples in this moment are in the boat and they're stuck and they're scared and they're wet and they're exhausted. And the the word being used here is the boat was buffeted or harassed. You could say it was oppressed by the waves and the wind. It's the same word that is used when it's speaking of demonic oppression and harassment. So the disciples are being harassed and they're stuck. And when they look out to see Jesus, they go, it's a ghost. And their first perception is one of fear, right? In the ancient world, the ocean was a scary place. In sort of the ancient mythology, the sea was the, like, it was a place where evil spirits originated and lived, okay? So when they see a ghost, that is right in line with the normal thinking of their time. They look and they go, gee, what, what is that thing out there walking towards us? It can't be anything else but a ghost. <laughs> and then Jesus shows up and he corrects all the distortion of their reality. And he says, not a ghost. Take courage. It's me. Now, the words he uses, literally, I am is what he says. He says, guys, take courage. I am am. I, oh, that I am. Yes. The one who showed up to Moses at the burning bush, that I am? Yeah, that I am. The one who punished all the demon gods of Egypt with 10 plagues and set his people free? Yeah, that I am. The one, the I am that's pronounced Yahweh and nobody, no one in Jewish culture says it because it's too holy to say that I am? Yeah, that I am. I love it. Jesus doesn't say, hey guys, it's me, Jesus, your rabbi. He says, no, it's me, Yahweh, the God of your forefathers, who saves you, who rescues you, who delivers you. You've got nothing to fear. I want to show this to you. And he reveals himself to his disciples. You need to start looking at your situation through the lens of revelation and not just through the lens of information, folks. We have an abundance of information, and information is great because you got it all right here on your cell phone. How many of you wake up in the morning and that's the first thing you want is information? We have an abundance of information, but it is not transformational. You know why? Because there's no revelation in most of that information. And so it never turns into transformation. When you get the revelation, that's when it can become transformative for you. And you know how it becomes transformative? When you actually take action and do the stuff that is being revealed. So, there's all kinds of information out there how you're supposed to change your life. Why aren't more people's lives changing? Because there's no revelation. It's revelation that catapults us into now, okay, man, I need to, I need to do something about this. <laughs> so look at the opportunity that this whole corona thing, corona thing, why am I thinking about the beer right now? I don't know why. It's like <laughs> this whole corona, not the beer, the, the virus, right? Why am I thinking about like, the opportunity this creates for us? is a way to look at our lives and our families and go, what is God revealing to me through all of this? Where do I need to start taking action that I've been putting off for the longest time? 
because you realize that Jesus is on top of all of this. And you might feel like you're drowning, you're sinking to the bottom, but this text shows us that he is coming to the rescue. I love this because the disciples, you know, they have no clue what's going on up to this point. And this shows us that God sometimes doesn't take us out of the storm. He doesn't deliver us out of the, the terrible situation, right? Wouldn't it just been easier to him, for him to, instead of walking on water, for him to just teleport the boat to the other side and just skip all of that drama? I thought that'd be easy. But he doesn't deliver his disciples out of it. He walks with them through it. Because what do you think causes our faith to grow more? God bailing us out or God walking us through? And the answer is walking us through. Most of the time, you're asking God for a bailout and he's not going to give it to you because he wants to give you a walkthrough a walk-through rescue. What is it you need to be rescued from today? God may not bail you out, but I guarantee you he's right there ready to walk you through. And as Jesus reveals himself here, his disciples realize, oh my Lord, you, you, you would think, man, right now that we're, we're rescued, but man, God is doing something here that's deeper than I'd ever realized. And Peter picks up on it. And so Peter goes, ooh, it's not a ghost. It's Jesus. Now check this out. This is a crazy request he has. He goes, hey, Lord, if it's you, then tell me to come out on the water with you. Now, I've always thought about what's behind that. Is this Peter trying to be like the the show-off that we sometimes recognize him as in in the Gospels? But I thought about this, you know, in the ancient world, when a rabbi calls a disciple to follow him, the expectation of that relationship is this, that the disciple, when he walks faithfully and learns what he needs to learn from the rabbi, will in fact be able to do everything the rabbi is supposed to do. That's the expect In the ancient world, when a rabbi says, come follow me, the disciple follows with that expectation that everything the rabbi can do I can do as well. So when Jesus says to his disciples, guys, come here, gather around me. I'm going to send you out two by two, and you're going to heal the sick. You're going to cast out demons. You're going to proclaim the gospel to the poor. You're going to proclaim the kingdom of God wherever you go. And you're going, uh, uh. you think the disciples are like, uh, I can't do that. No, no. They are fully expecting to be able to do that. That's what you signed up for, to do the stuff that Jesus called you to do, because you follow him like that. So when Peter goes, Lord, um, Call me out on the waters with you. I think he's fully expecting that Jesus will say, of course, I want you to be able to do what I'm doing. I know it sounds a little strange when he's like walking on a while. What, what is that? But Jesus goes, absolutely, Peter, come on out. And so he does. And, and I love this. And for a moment, like, you know, we need to just camp on this because Peter sees this not just as an opportunity for Jesus to rescue him and to get him out of this crisis situation. He sees this with new eyes. He sees it as an opportunity 
to grow in his faith. You know, you need to look at the COVID-19 outbreak in, with new eyes. How can we grow through this, Jesus? How can I become more like you through all of this, Lord? And it's wonderful because Jesus is more than ready to teach Peter something new and lead Peter in a new dimension of encounter and experience with him that none of his disciples, as far as we know, have ever had. You see? That's the personal thing I'm talking about. <laughs> so, so what do we do? We try walking on water? Well, what, what do we do? You know? I, I don't know what it is for you guys, okay? This is like between you and God and, and you and your relationship and your personal history with Jesus. That there are some things that he might be opening your eyes to see during this season of, of crisis and outbreak and, and fear all around us, right? There's some things he's pointing you to on the inside of your soul saying, I want you to see some things. I want you to see some opportunities here for me to grow you up in your faith. How are we going to do that, son? How are we going to do that, daughter? And just like Peter, you might say, can I, can, I, can I get out of the boat? <laughs> and she's going, yeah, yeah, come on, come on forward. So Peter gets out of the boat, right? Starts walking towards Jesus. This is great. And of course, of course, like, we're all in the same boat when it comes to this. We're out of the boat, whatever you want to call the boat, the comfort zone, whatever. And we see and get distracted by all the wind and the waves and the noise. And you can fully expect Jesus. Here it is. And the beauty of this is this. Look, he, 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 he reaches his hand out and picks Peter up. Right? Let's say the boat is over here. Right? I'm out the boat. Who knows how? We don't know how, how far he was. Like, it would have been cool if the Bible told us. Right? He walked like you know, 20 yards on the water. Be, Whoa. However, that, however far that distance was, we don't know. What we do know is this. I believe. When Peter sunk, he had to have been close enough to Jesus for Jesus to pick him up, right? Jesus picks him up, and he goes, Ah, oh, Peter, you big baby, let me just carry you back. Is that what he does? No. We are left to assume that Jesus picks Peter up, and he says, Peter, you can do it. Let's walk back together. He walks back to the boat on the water with Jesus hand in hand. This is about growth and development, folks. It's not just about being bailed out all the time. And some of you need to hear this word, that whatever crisis, whatever situation feels constricting and limiting to you, whatever it's causing anxiety, sometimes God is, some, is using that to carve and to shape and develop your life so that you can learn to walk on the water with him. The stuff you thought was impossible, I could have never had that kind of life before, it now becomes possible because you're willing to grow and to grow up. Come on. All of you on Facebook Live, come on. As all of this starts to unfold, the question we need to be asking, like Peter, is how is God coming to us in this? 
How is Christ showing up for us in the middle of this storm? And if it's anything like how he shows up in this text, I guarantee you it'll be in unexpected ways. Will you recognize it? Which is my last point. Will you recognize that it's Jesus, in fact, coming to us? And not just some ghost, not just some marketing ploy, or not just some person. It's Jesus coming to us. Will we cooperate with it? And will we take the bold, necessary steps to move towards what God is doing in those moments? As life slows down, how might God be coming to you? What's he saying to you as life and work and school get suspended? And are you responding to him? Let's recognize he's always coming to us in the storm. And he is inviting us to step out and exercise faith. For some of you, that might look like spending more time with your wife and kids, praying together, sharing God's word together. For some others of you, it might look like reaching out to people who are afraid and suffering and at risk. It may look like, I'm not talking about physical contact, of course, call them up, text them. Maybe it looks like being as generous as you possibly know to be when everyone around you is hoarding. (laughs) So I I guess I'm going to share this testimony about yesterday. I went to the store. Remember I told you I went to the store? I went to Ralph's. And um, I already heard all the rumors about everything. The shelves were empty. I have, you know, Pastor Ron on the other campus was sending me pictures of the shelves at Target, like absolutely empty, right? So I'm like fully expecting to be, this to be like a, apocalypse, doomsday, you know, just what's going to happen at Ralph's? So I, I pull into the parking lot at Ralph's, and it is like packed. And the reason I even went to Ralph's that morning was because I woke up, and my wife said to me, honey, we need vitamin C. And I went... Oh, no, we don't have vitamin C. And we, as a family, we use these, um, these boxes of emergency. That's what we do. We mix it in the water and all that. And uh, we, dr- we go through that stuff like crazy. You know, it's just like, come on, vitamin C. Like every meal, vitamin C. You know, for me, I've just been pumping all this vitamin C. So she wakes. We're like, oh, my goodness, we need vitamin C. And so I want to be a good provider, right? So I'm like, yes. But then I think, wow, there's no vitamin C. Like, there's no way I'm going to get any vitamin C if I go to the store. So I get to Ralph's, and I pray this popcorn prayer. It sounded something like, Father, grant me favor. (laughs) Grant me favor. I get out of the car, you know, go into the market. I'm I'm going through the different aisles. Sure enough, I get to where the vitamin C, the, the emergency should be. And guess what? All empty. It's gone. I found, like, some gummy vites. Uh, airborne gummy vites and stuff. I'm like, ooh, is the last one on the shelf? I'll get that. Anything with over 500 milligrams of vitamin C, boom. So I go to the next aisle. I'm like, there's got to be some like vitamin C tablets that people missed. Well, I looked at, I looked at the, the place where the tablets are, all gone. And then I went down the aisle and I saw this one like weird name brand 
they totally missed this one bottle. I'm like, yes, I grabbed the bottle. And then I saw two other smaller bottles, 500 milligrams of vitamin C, grabbed that too. I'm like, I'm stocking up. I'm going to be a provider, man. I've got it. My wife's going to be so happy. So I put this stuff in my cart, and I'm shopping, right? Shopping, shopping, shopping. I turned the, the corner to where the milk is, like the dairy section. And you know, on the, on the corner of each aisle, sometimes they have these like sale things, items that are on for sale. I kid you not, man. I walked past this one uh, sale shelf. It said $9.99 for all this stuff and all random stuff. I turned my head. I looked, and there on that shelf was sitting a half carton of emergency, <laughs> like 12 or 13 boxes. And I looked at it. I'm like, you got to be kidding me, Lord, you know? Like, and I was like looking at everyone who was walking. They, everyone was walking right past it like they didn't even see it. I'm like, I was like, guys, you don't buy it. I'm, I'm not going to say nothing. I'm like, like, so I was like, put them I started hoarding it. Like, I'm like, one, two, I kid you not, after six of them, right? Six boxes. There are like six boxes left. I'm like, I better be like, you know, I need to be sensitive to people, man. You know, like just leave some behind. So I called my wife. I'm like, honey, uh, I, I hit the mother load. <laughs> I hit the mother load. I got these boxes of vitamin C. And she goes, just get all of it. Get all of it. I'm like, okay, that's the voice of the Lord. So I took the rest of it. I took the whole darn thing. And I'm walking. It's in the bottom of my, sh of my cart, right? So people could see it. And I'm like, all right, so I'm shopping. I'm getting other groceries. I'm, I'm piling it on top of the vitamin C, right, so nobody sees me. I feel like I'm stealing this stuff, right? It's so weird. It's so weird. So here I am. <clears throat> get, I get all my cart full, and I'm standing in line. The line goes all around the whole market, right? I'm standing in line, and right behind me is this lady, and her shopping cart is, like, full to the brim. So we start talking, because what do you do when you're in the line at the grocery, right? You're just like... Okay, another 20 minutes here. So we start talking. We start joking with each other, right? Man, can you believe this? Like, man, when is this? When is the last time? Were you have you ever in your lifetime experienced it? So we're having all these conversations in the market, right? And the lady is telling me, oh, man, I'm going, wow, you got a lot of stuff there, girl. She's like, oh, yeah, I'm shopping for four families. <laughs> and I'm like, wow, that's really nice of you. I hope they're paying you. Imagine we're just like shooting the breeze, like having fun, right? And, and so I kid you not, I get to the, like, right when they're about to call you. And the lady looks at me and goes, hey, you don't think that there's any more vitamin C left, do you? <laughs> and I looked at my cart, and I looked at her cart, and I went, oh, uh, no. <laughs> um, I don't think there's any more. <laughs> I, I, so I started digging through to get those first two bottles that I grabbed off the shelf earlier. And I was holding these bottles in my hand. And I said, hey, I go, here, you can have these. And she goes, oh, thank you so much, man. We're going to be so happy with that. Okay. Yeah, take them, take them. This, this is the bottle, you know. And, and there's like two small bottles like this with like 30 tablets in them. Like, whatever. Here, take it. And as I'm going through the line, the guy says, okay, next. So we go through the line, right? And then I just feel like God has to speak to me in that moment, right? And he goes, you need to give some of your vitamin C away, Ken. <laughs> you need to do it, son. Son, son, you don't need that much vitamin C right now. So I start doing the math in my head. We use 
two to three packets a day per person. There's five of us in the household. That means six boxes for the week. You know, I'll, I'm just calculating, right? I don't know what happened to me, but I went through the line, and I said to the Lord inside, I said, okay, Lord, if you allow me to run into her again on the way out, I'll give her two boxes. And we went through the line, paid for everything, and as I'm walking out, <laughs> there she is. I went, oh, snap. I'm going to get out the boat right now, Jesus. You know, walk on water right now. So I went over with two boxes of emergency, and I said to the lady, I was going to be sneaky about it. I was like, hey, could you put these two things in her, in her bag? And then she saw me, and she goes, hey. I'm like, oh. I'm like, hey, look, um, I felt like Jesus spoke to me and said to give you these two boxes. And she was like, ah. Oh. Her jaw dropped wide open. She was like, that is so nice of you. And, and earlier in the conversation, she said to me something like, oh, yeah, when I gave her those two bottles in, in line, right? She said something like, oh, yeah, this is great. It must be karma because I gave something away. The, uh, and I said to her, so when I gave those two boxes of vitamin emergency to her, I said, listen, just want you to know it's not karma. It's Jesus. And she looked at me and she went, that is so nice of you. And it's like, oh, I'm a Christian too. I'm like, really? Well, God's answering your prayer right now. And I walked away, and I, and, and I felt really good, and I felt really confident that my God will supply all of my needs, according not to what's on the shelf, but according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. And guess what? The same holds true for you. If you will recognize how God is coming to you in the storm, if you'll recognize that's Jesus and it's not all just chaotic Stuff coming at you. Where are you coming, Lord? And you'll turn aside and respond to him. Even if it's as simple as that. Your faith will grow. My faith is like off the charts right now. Like, yes! Who cares about coronavirus, right? And then you can get like all, all the other side of things. But I want to encourage you today. Retreat does not mean defeat. Some of you need to retreat with God. Revelation, Jesus wants to reveal himself to you because you know what's right, but the revelation is missing, and it's the revelation of his truth, of his goodness in your life that's going to accelerate the transformation he wants to accomplish in your life. And then lastly, will you recognize how he's coming to you? Because I guarantee you, it will be totally unexpected. Are you ready for those surprises? I am. I am. Amen. Let's stand to your feet, and we're going to close today.